What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99. All of my fantasy baseball content gets posted out through there. These podcasts, my articles, different Twitter threads, all in one place for you guys. Go check it out over on Twitter when you get a chance. I am going to give you the same warning I gave you yesterday that I'm feeling fairly under the weather. I've got a very sore throat, so we're going to keep this one probably even shorter than yesterday when we went about, I think, 35 minutes. We'll try and keep it hopefully in the 20-25 minute range here. Later today, I will also be taping with Rob DiPietro for tomorrow's show, so I do want to keep the voice fairly fresh. We're going to be going over the NFBC draft and hold that he did a couple weeks ago, the first seven rounds. We'll be talking about some surprises, players that he expects to move up the board, move down the board, people he thinks are just about right. We'll talk about that, and then we're also going to talk about where we project some of these rookies, these high flyers especially, to be going in drafts next year. Your Michael Harris's, your Vaughn Grissom's, your O'Neal Cruz, Adley Rutschman, those kind of guys. We're going to be talking and just spitballing about, you know, are they first-round players? Are they third-round? Are they fifth-round? what the general consensus he thinks is going to be uh, heading into next season. So we'll be doing that later tonight. We'll be posting that one uh, tomorrow morning at some point. So yeah, I'm not going to go too, too long here. We're going to do what we typically do, but this will be almost more of a Friday show. So I'm going to go back on yesterday's top performers. We'll go through the waiver wire and talk about my favorite pitching matchup of the day. But I'm also going to give you my weekend streamers today because I'm not going to do it with Rob tomorrow. It's a slightly different format when we do have a guest on. So I'll be giving you those today, and then I'll probably be sharing them out again on Twitter at some point. That'll be closer to the end of the show, which I'm not thinking it will be too long. But we're going we're gonna to kick it off right here by looking back on some of yesterday's top players. The highest scoring player on Yahoo yesterday in terms of points leagues was Aristides Aquino of the Cincinnati Reds. I don't know if you guys remember a couple of years ago, he came and took the league kind of by storm. It was 2019. He came up and played 56 games, and he hit 19 home runs. It was kind of a big deal at the time. He's always had the power. The power is very real, but the strikeouts and the terrible batting average are also very real. So while he did have two home runs yesterday, he's got three over his last three games. That also comes with a 199 batting average and a 40% strikeout rate. So I don't think that there's really going to be much of a need to add him outside of maybe if you're really specifically needing power, and that's the only category you really care about. Maybe you go up and add him. He's not playing every single day, so it's a risky, deep, daily changes kind of thing. For the most part, with uh, Kino here, I don't think he's worth an add. I would be staying away. He can go off and hit you a a few home runs here down the stretch, but at what cost? It's going to be bad batting average. There's going to be some days where he's not playing in the lineup. Uh, For me, uh, I'm just going to be holding off on adding Aristides Aquino. Alec Manoa was our highest scoring pitcher from yesterday's game. He went eight innings. He allowed one run on three hits, and he actually pushed himself into the top 20 in terms of Yahoo overall uh, total value this season. He's the 19th ranked player currently. 171 innings pitched. He has 14 wins, 158 strikeouts, a 2.42 ERA, and a .99 whip. Absolutely unbelievable from Alec Manoa. The question that I kind of had in my head earlier this week, and I meant to put it out on Twitter as a poll but I just kind of forgot about it, is if you were the Blue Jays, or let's say even your fantasy teams, and you could have one guy start, you have one game, and you get to choose between Alec Manoa and Kevin Gosman, who would you choose? For me, I actually have no idea. I spent like half an hour, 40 minutes, just sitting there on the couch, watching a Blue Jays game, zoning out, thinking, okay, well, Gosman, going back and forth to Manoa, and the swagger of Manoa, and the splitter of God. It's like I would just... 
spent a very long time in my head trying to sort through these arguments. And at the end of the day, I really have no idea what to tell you in terms of who I would prefer right now. I mean, long term, when I was younger, you'll take Manoa. But at this point, they're both like exceptionally elite pitchers. And they're not usually talked about in the elite, elite category in the American League. You don't usually hear them mentioned with your Verlanders and your Cease and McClanahan this season. But they've been every bit as good. And Kevin Gosman, I mean, just to go off topic here for a second... He's been one of the more unlucky pitchers this season in terms of his Babbitt block. Uh, I'm just going to pull it up here because I didn't have it in front of me. But the thought just came to my mind. Like, Kevin Gosman, his Babbitt is, like, laughably bad this season um, as I go and whip it out here. 368. His Babbitt is 368. Absolutely horrendous. And that still comes with an ERA of 3.12 and a FIP of 2.17. So I feel like, obviously, that's not the same with Manoa. But I feel like they're both really undervalued. And is it because they play in Toronto? I don't think it's because of that. I think that's more of a basketball thing where people kind of look down on Toronto. I don't think it really happens so much with baseball. But I think that these guys should be more thought of in terms of Cy Young contention. I think that they're, they're both going to get boats down the line. Probably both be in the... I don't know. They'll both be top 10 in Cy Young voting, but I think it'll probably be like 7th and ninth or something, and I just feel like, I don't know, that's not really fair. I don't think Manoa should be like a top 5 guy. They both really should be top 5 guys. I just think that I, maybe it does play a part of it that we are in Toronto, and you see it more so in the NBA, but I mean, even just look at Sunday Night Baseball. When are the Jays ever on Sunday Night Baseball, despite having some of the better young talents in, in the game? It doesn't happen. There is some kind of Toronto bias, whether the American media will admit it or not, maybe that's where it comes from. Maybe I'm just uh, an angry Canadian because we don't typically get so much traction in the American media. Vladimir Guerrero obviously does. Robbie Ray did last year when he won his Cy Young, but it's pretty tough for, like, Blue Jays need to have incredible seasons for them to really get noticed, and it's unfortunate because Manoa is getting noticed, but I don't think he is to the same degree that he probably should be. So, long, long ramble. I said I wasn't going to ramble today, but... That's me, of course. Alec Manoa is still going to be one of the better pitchers that you can throw out there for the rest of the season. There's going to be probably five more starts, and there's no reason to think that he can't succeed in every single one of them, regardless of opponent. Because Manoa, there's something that doesn't show up on the stat sheet with him. And this is where I might lose some people, the more analytical-focused people. But Alec Manoa, there is something that you can't quantify about his swagger and his confidence. And I've mentioned it before. There is something, like, just watch the All-Star Game clip where he threw that one inning while he was mic'd up and he struck out the side. I think he hit a batter in there as well, but he struck out the side. It's like, go listen to that, go watch that clip, and tell me that this kid does not have something that just doesn't show up on the score sheet. He absolutely does. He's absolutely dominant, and I am thrilled that we have him in Toronto here uh, going forward. I think Dalton Barshow is also worth mentioning. The guy has been on an absolute heater for the last, specifically this last week, where he's 7 for 21, which wouldn't blow you away. It's 333 batting average, just 7 for 21, but it wouldn't necessarily knock your socks off. But five of those seven hits have been for home runs. I have Barsho in my home league. He's carrying me this week into the next round when I probably, I mean, it's a little early to fully you know, declare anybody a winner, but I would not be anywhere close as competitive as I, as I am if it was not for Dalton Barsho really picking up the slack this week. For the season, I mean, I know there has been ups and downs with him, and there's been points where it's like, oh, man, like, if he wasn't eligible at catcher and in the outfield, I don't know if I'd still keep him. That's how we felt a couple months back, and 
he started off very strong and then he dipped and now it's really picked back up again. And currently he is the 114th ranked player for the season with 66 runs, 23 homers, 64 RBIs, eight steals and a 243 average. The steals have kind of stopped, but you will absolutely take what Varsho is giving you here, specifically with the homers. And in terms of all the catchers, I know that we did this briefly yesterday just to look at total value that we've gotten from catchers. I think he's a top two catcher. Uh, let's see. He is... He is the number two ranked catcher for the season as a whole behind JT Real Muto. So obviously great value with Varsho there. I doubt we'll see the same level of value next season. I don't think that he'll go as low as he did, which I think was about pick 120-ish, which is generally where he's returned value this season, funnily enough. But I think that he will push inside of that top 100. Specifically, I believe that he'll still have catcher and outfield, for sure outfield. And I, I think he played enough at catcher this season that he will retain that eligibility. So He's probably going to go in the top 75 somewhere. Won't be as much of a bargain next season, but still, every single year where there's going to be somebody with that kind of stat line, even if it's not quite as strong as that, and they can play catcher and another position in the infield, and specifically, they primarily play that other position in the infield or in the outfield. Last season, that was Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and although he wasn't the greatest asset, he had catcher eligibility. He played, I think, 160 games. He stole 20 bases. I didn't have to worry about streaming catchers or anything in. My league mates were kind of pissed, but every league last year, there was one guy who had Kiner Falefa and was very happy to slot him into their catcher slot. That's what's going to happen next season with Dalton Varsho. I am pretty sure about it. It'll be, I mean, the value is not going to be the same, but it's going to be the same general kind of production that you're going to be getting. And you're going to be getting a guy that plays most days and you don't have to worry about, you know, sitting him three times a week because he's a catcher and it's worrying about his knees or whatever. That's that's the main thing when you're rostering someone who's catcher or where catcher is their pretty much their secondary position. So Varsho, absolutely fantastic season as a whole, but really right here he's uh, he's going to help a lot of people in head to head win championships if he keeps this up. Let's talk about Varsho's teammate Corbin Carroll who hit his first career home run yesterday. He also doubled now, I was mentioning yesterday on the show that Corbin Carroll's roster percentage had been going down these last couple of days on Yahoo. It was up over 50. It was at like 51, 52. Yesterday, it was 46. Today, it's 45. I don't know, people. I don't understand it at all. He had literally two games. Was it two games with overs? Yeah, it was an over three, and there was a, a one for five, and then an over three, and then people dropped them already. It's... I, it's, it's such an incredible waste of an ad. I just can't understand it. And then you drop him thinking that there's going to be somebody who has more upside, who's playing better right now. I don't, I don't for the life of me understand why someone would have added Corbin Carroll and then dropped him within a week of him being recalled. It makes, it makes zero sense. He's less than 50% rostered by the grace of the gods. If you're still sitting there looking for an outfielder, you need some extra power. You need some speed. He's a guy who has five category upside, and even over these last few weeks, he can provide a little sprinkling of everything. Think of what Michael Harris has done for Atlanta. Corbin Carroll can do that over these last few weeks. Is he going to put up the same numbers per game? Like probably something similar, yeah. I think we're probably going to look at by the end of it with Carroll. We've got four weeks and about 26 games per team. He's probably going to hit another four home runs and steal five bases and hit close to 300. That would be my guess in that ballpark. If you want to go without a guy like Corbin Carroll, who's currently on a team that is doing pretty damn well offensively recently, batting in the middle of that lineup, he's just going to keep moving up, you would assume, probably finish off maybe in the one or two slot, maybe three or four. I think certainly higher than where he is now, which has been anywhere from five to eight 
typically five or six these last few games. But it's just ridiculous that he is still so widely available. And the fact that if it would be something if people just never added him in the first place, but the fact that people actually picked him up, thought, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to invest in Corbin Carroll here. He bats 280 over his first week with a home run, six runs, and seven RBIs, and you're going to drop him. I, I don't get it. It really makes no sense to me. I would be holding on to Corbin Carroll and adding him up absolutely wherever I can. I do want to keep it going now with our waiver wire portion of the show where I'll just talk about the most added and dropped players today across fantasy. The number one ad is J.P. Sears for the Oakland Athletics. He'll be starting against Chicago tonight. And he's done a really good job on the season as a whole, 49 and a third innings. He has five victories, only 31 strikeouts, but very nice ratios, a 237 ERA and a 1.11 whip for J.P. Sears. Looking at the slate tonight, it's a pretty short slate, first of all. We're looking at, I think it's throughout the day, six games, seven games, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games throughout the entire day and night, starting at one o'clock. So there's really not so much going on here for streams. I'm going to look at weekend streamers in a few minutes here, and there's a couple of guys who I'd probably be a little bit more interested in than Sears, but if you're if you're dead set that you need to stream today or you maybe just want to stream, uh, I think he's probably about the best option you're going to find. The other one who I think can have some value here is Kyle Gibson. He has not been very great recently, so a lot of people are probably going to be shying away. Specifically, his last start against San Francisco was nightmare fuel with seven runs in an inning and two-thirds. But the time before that, it was seven shutout innings against Pittsburgh with nine strikeouts. Time before that, kind of rough against the Mets. And then the time before that, it was a good win against Cincinnati. He kind of bounces around a little bit. But he does have a good matchup here against the Marlins. So I think those two guys would be my preference, one or the other, Sears or Gibson. Other than that, you're getting into a little bit risky territory here. Uh, I think Adrian Sampson is a little bit too risky for me. Uh, Luis Sesa, just not the greatest of options that we're seeing today. Josiah Gray is another one, but he's at St. Louis. Pretty tough options today. I think I'd probably hold off or go for one of those first two guys, Sears or Gibson. But other than that, not the greatest day for streaming. The most added batter today is Seth Brown. He's been on a bit of a home run tear himself. He's got four in the last week, in his last 25 at-bats. And for the season, if you look at what he's done as a whole, 21 homers, Eight uh, stolen bases and a 227 batting average. It's not bad. He's the kind of guy where I would be looking to probably put him in my lineups, but very short term kind of thing. He's not somebody where, <clears throat> excuse me, he's not somebody where you can add him and you know forget about it for the rest of the season. He's the kind of guy where a couple of games where he's cooling off, you'd want to drop him again. And I've talked about this throughout the season, that you should have one streaming spot in your lineup just for the hottest player in baseball. Not necessarily with any time limits around it. You could maybe pick that guy up for one day. Maybe you pick him up and hold him for two weeks. With Brown, I would just keep him in the lineup while he is producing. When he cools off, then you send him back to the waiver wire and pick up the next best thing. So he's definitely one of those guys that I would consider in the interim. TJ Friedel is another guy that I would also take a look at. Cincinnati Red outfielder, he has been absolutely scorching over his last 57 at-bats. He has 23 hits and five home runs. If you shorten those at-bat numbers, I mean, over his last 37 at-bats, 16 hits, 13 at-bats, six hits. He's hitting home runs. He's stealing bases. Granted, not so much recently. He has six steals over his la- over the season, which is 147 at-bats for him. Only one over his last 57, but we do know that it's in there. He's playing not quite every day, but if you're in the Daily Changes League, uh, TJ Friedel right now is pretty damn hot. I think likely 
you're not going to be able to do it in weekly settings just because he has been sitting here and there. Uh, when he's playing recently, it's been batting first. But I don't know that you're going to really be going for him outside of slightly deeper settings. You could make the same argument that I made with Brown where you just add him in while he's hot and you keep him in, drop him when he's cool. I tend to prefer to do that with someone who plays every single day. But I think with Friedel, he's a decent option. I think I'd prefer to go with Brown. But Friedel is not so bad. The one thing you got to remember here for this upcoming weekend, at least, is that they're going to be on the road in Milwaukee. So it won't be some... I haven't looked at who they're facing, but Milwaukee's typically a fairly tough matchup. And he'll be away from um, from Great American Ballpark. So maybe we see those home runs slow down a little bit over these next few days. He's still somebody that I would keep in mind. And specifically when they are playing uh, at home at Great American Ballpark. Josh Young, or I think it's Josh Young, but it it's, looks like Josh Jung, if that's how you know him. Uh, he's getting the call from the Rangers. He's going to make his debut. Uh, I believe it'll be tomorrow he will make his Major League debut. Josh Jung for the season, uh, he is 24 years old, by the way, a 267 average with nine homers and 29 RBIs. There's only in 30 games, and that was split between uh, AAA and uh, the Rookie League affiliate where he was rehabbing. His numbers in AAA really won't blow you away, and I do think that he will need a little bit more time to develop. I mean, just looking at the way he came across the minor leagues, the strikeout rate went up, the walk rate went down, the home runs have been pretty nice, they've never been crazy, crazy numbers, but... 10 in 43 games in double A in 2021. Obviously, uh, six in 22 triple A games this season. So there is some power. I think he is more of a deeper league guy. I think he'll play most days, probably batting in the bottom of the lineup somewhere. So I think that there is some value for him in your deeper, uh, in your deeper leagues. But I don't think that he's going to be some savior like we've seen with um, Michael Harris, Corbin Carroll, Gunnar Henderson, and those guys. I doubt that we'll see that same level of production from him. I think that he might be a decent power ad, could maybe hit you five, six, seven home runs down the stretch. It's possible, but I'm not going to be putting so much faith in him here. O'Neill Cruz, I have a lot more faith in. He had another multi-hit game yesterday. The guy is just producing right now. Over the last two weeks, he's batting nearly 300. And I saw something on Twitter. I don't even know if this is true. I should probably verify this before I say it, but he hired a hitting coach that's not with the Pirates, that's like a different you know, a private hitting coach or something like that. I don't even know if this is true or not. And maybe I'll talk about it later on. I'll do some research on it. <clears throat> I'm not really sure if this is true. It might have just been a Twitter joke. I feel like you need to verify literally everything you see on Twitter. But O'Neill Cruz has been, like, phenomenal over these last couple of weeks. And even if you stretch it back over the last month, he's batting 245, which is not the worst. Four home runs, 10 RBIs. You'd like to see him run a little bit more, but he's been very, very productive, specifically recently. And he's only 52% rostered in Yahoo League, so I would be going and getting O'Neill Cruz while you still can. Joey Manessis in that same boat. He is only 51% rostered, and, you know, he's not being dropped a lot. There's a couple of leagues where he's been dropped. Mostly he's still being added. I just don't get the, like, I know I'm preached here multiple times, even today, to have a spot in your lineup for the hottest player, but he hasn't really cooled off. So I don't know why anybody would think to drop him. Over the last month, he is a top 50 player with five homers, 14 ribbies, and a 350 batting average. 51% rostered, like I said, first and outfield eligible. I'd be going and getting him. Uh, Manessas has been absolutely fantastic, and maybe you had Juan Soto get injured yesterday like I did. Not sure the extent of it, but I think it would be an interesting little uh, play if Soto has to miss a day or two to stick in uh, Manessas. 
Let's quickly go through the drops. These are typically pitchers who were streamed in yesterday. There's usually one or two other surprises mixed in there a little bit. Bailey Falter is our number one drop. He was a very serviceable stream yesterday. Very happy with that one. Five and a third. He got the victory. He struck out three. Only allowed two earned runs. It was a really strong outing for him. He's a stream, so you're going to be pretty okay sending him back to the waiver wire. He gets the Marlins next time out again, so... If you want to hold on, I would understand it. You'd probably be okay to drop him and try and pick him back up next week. If you really, really are you know, in a playoff matchup, you need these last couple of days worth of ads. You can probably get away with that in most cases. Um, but I don't think that holding on to him is, is the worst idea either. I think that it's only a few days, another good matchup, and maybe he does get scooped up. So the safer play is probably just to hold on to Bailey Falter. The next drop we'll mention is Dean Kramer. He was pitching out of the bullpen yesterday for the Orioles. Five and a third innings against the Blue Jays. I believe he did take the loss, allowing three runs. Uh, Only two of them were earned, but he struck out three. It's kind of strange because his last few outings had been pretty solid against Oakland, Houston, Boston, and even Toronto his last time out. Pretty solid, so I don't really necessarily understand this. Will he get his start next time out? I don't know. The thing with Dean Kramer is he is not that great where you need to hold on and find out I completely agree with the masses dropping him here today he's not somebody where you you know you wait and pray that he gets another start it's he'd been pretty good you take the production that he gave you and you move on with it that's all there is Uh, I think it's weird that he didn't start he'll probably start more down the stretch but who knows Uh, I wouldn't be wasting a roster spot trying to find out about that Domingo Herman, he is the next guy who has been dropped. Another little bit of a strange one. He allowed three runs on uh, in six innings, I should say, while striking out six batters yesterday to the Twins. He's been pretty solid recently. If you look at his last month, it's 37 and a third. He has one victory in that time, but 25 strikeouts, a 241 ERA, and a .96 whip. I did not have much faith coming into Domingo Herman's season, which started late this year, that he was going to have really much, if any, fantasy value. He's always been a guy who's had some home run troubles. He's never really been a great pitcher at the major league level. So I was a little bit skeptical, and at first it was kind of shaky, but he has seemed to have settled down fairly nicely here. I think it's a little bit premature to drop him. He gets the uh, the Red Sox next time out, which I don't think is going to be the toughest challenge. The Red Sox are currently the bottom of the American League East. They're not having a great season. I would probably be all right with holding on to Domingo Herman through that start. Again, uh, what I'm going to say with all these drops right now is if it is your semifinal or quarterfinal or maybe even your final, you might just be dropping them for that reason because maybe, A, they're not going to start for you again this season regardless. I think it's a little early for seasons to be fully ending, but you, I have seen it a couple of, in a couple of cases. Or maybe you just are so desperate for production over these next couple of days that you need to drop some guys who at other points of the season you'd probably be holding on to. So that would be where I'd understand dropping him for the most part. I would try and hold on to Domingo Herman though. Kyle Finnegan, he had an absolute nightmare of a night yesterday. But again, I was facing him in my home league yesterday, so this was an absolute win for me. Five runs allowed in the bottom of the ninth, and he had, for the day yesterday, an ERA of 67.5 and a whip of 9.00. Really not good stuff for Kyle Finnegan. He does have four saves and three victories over this past month. But a lot of people said to hell with this yesterday and dropped him. I, I understand it, but I think at the same time, he's probably still going to get save opportunities when they arise. So if you want to drop him, it's probably more of a spiteful thing. Like, you know, the guy I was facing yesterday in the home league, he dropped him this morning. And I think it's not because he is, you know, so great with saves or anything. It's because he pissed him off yesterday and kind of screwed him over. 
I think he can still get you some saves down the stretch here. Not that he's going to be a must-roster player, but if you are really desperate for saves, like I know a few people are at this time of year, you see him get dropped, there are there are worse options, I will say. I'm not going to go out there and strongly recommend a Kyle Finnegan ad, but will he get some more saves down the line? I think it's pretty likely that he probably will. Let's take a look at those two start pitchers that we were talking about. There are four that I have my eye on for this weekend. A couple of them will be familiar names that I have brought up throughout the season. The first one, and you will see anybody who's talking about streaming options tomorrow, the number one that you're going to see is David Peterson. And I would have added him a week ago. or I mean, if you didn't add him a week ago, then you add him when Scherzer went down yesterday. If not then, then you really should be adding him today ahead of that start against the Marlins. I'm a huge, huge, huge David Peterson fan. The way he has improved his game throughout the season has been excellent. I was really pissed off when he got first sent into the minor, or first he was in the bullpen, then he got sent down, and it was kind of unfair to him. Now, granted, he's had a couple of iffy starts since he has been called back up. There was a bad one against Philly and a bad one against Washington. There was also a very good one against Atlanta and a very good one against Colorado. So I'm going to be putting my chips in his corner for this weekend. I think that he is a must-add player at this point. Scherzer, I don't think Scherzer's going to be out for too long, but who knows? Uh, We really don't know what to expect. I think that what Scherzer himself said is he expects it to be a minimum IL stay. Uh, I think I believe that's what he said. But all of those guys on the Mets, they're kind of getting a little bit on in years in terms of their starting pitchers. Bassett's 33, Carrasco or Carrasco is 35. Obviously, Scherzer, 38 years old, and Degrom. Believe it or not, Degrom is 34 years old. These guys are not young guns anymore. Down the stretch, I'm sure they're going to want to save some arms for the playoffs. And David Peterson should be getting multiple, multiple starts. I think that probably we're going to see four or five outings out of him. This one against uh, Miami, he's an absolute must-roster. I think even beyond that and before that, ahead of it, around it, beside it, he is a must-roster player for me. I I love what he does. The strikeouts are crazy. Obviously, he's going to be getting you a lot of wins on the Mets. David Peterson is my guy for Friday. Saturday, I have one guy as well, and there is some risk associated with this one, and we've mentioned him last week, is Matt Manning. Matt Manning has had a couple of not great outings in a row, which were followed by a couple of really strong outings. And the thing is, these teams, these last two times out, it was Seattle and Kansas City. Seattle specifically got to him. Kansas City was not great. It was four innings. Uh, He gave up, I believe, yeah, two runs. So it wasn't terrible, but his command was not great. So I'm hoping that he gets back on track against those same Royals tonight. I'm going to be giving him the benefit of the doubt that they're not going to be able to get to him. Not that they really got to him, two runs and four innings, but... I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he will be able to have a good outing against Kansas City this weekend. It's not the greatest weekend for streams, but I think that Matt Manning makes for one of the better options that you're going to find, at least for Saturday. Saturday is a really, really thin day. Friday and Saturday, really. There's a couple of guys on Sunday that we're going to talk about, but Friday and Saturday, uh, Peterson and Manning for me are pretty much probably the only options that I would really go to, and specifically with David Peterson. When we get into Sunday, there are a couple guys that I think will be probably worth it, and Jose Quintana is the first one. We have mentioned him a couple times. He was a two-start guy for me this week. I did pick him up in a couple of leagues. He did very well against Washington in that first start. It was a five-inning victory with five strikeouts, all good. His next start will come this Sunday, if anybody will be watching baseball this Sunday, because it'll be the first Sunday of the NFL season. But Jose Quintana will be getting the Pirates, and I think that that is a really good opportunity for him to go back to his old ballpark 
and dominate against some of these less than stellar uh, members of their batting order. So Jose Quintana, I think, is probably your best bet for Sunday. I'm going to mention one other guy here in a second who I think is probably worth it. A little bit riskier to me, but uh, I will, we'll get to him right now. No need to spend too much time on Quintana. I did mention yesterday how it kind of evens out the fact that he played for the Pirates and he knows them, but they also know him a little bit. I think that kind of evens itself out. So that's not like the biggest of concern for me that, oh, he was there all year. They know him. Well, it, it works both ways. The last guy we will talk about here is Johnny Cueto. And he is someone we have talked about quite a bit in the second half. And because, well, he's been excellent, to say the least. 135 innings, he's only struck out 85 batters, but he has a 287 ERA and a 1.18 whip. He had a bad start a couple outings ago against Arizona. But other than that one before it and after, it's been really smooth sailing for Johnny Cueto. He's got an ideal start coming up here against Oakland. I think that that makes for an outstanding stream for Sunday. And the one thing I'll say about all of these streams is don't stream. I said it yesterday, but I'll repeat it again because it's really important. Don't stream unless you have to. If you don't need to stream, don't use any ads if you don't need to. It's like just because they're there, it does not mean that you have to use them. And I gave the example of my home league yesterday. It got even more lopsided overnight. My ERA is 2.37. My opponent's is 10.80. I'm starting nobody. I'm starting literally nobody the rest of the week. Maybe maybe Saturday, Sunday, I'll start one of my guys. But it's like I don't need to. There's no need to stream. There's no need to really push in those cases. If I've already won the league, then all I can really do is set myself back. So why, why would I risk it? I'd make the other guy... Rather earn, I'd, I'd rather have the other guy earn it than me fumble the ball at the one yard line, pretty much. If he wants to try and get that ERA down, he can stream and he can do all he wants. But I'm not going to make it any easier for him by giving him a start that's maybe a little iffy or even if it feels safe just because, hey, he's starting, let's throw him out there for the hell of it. No, that's not the way I'm going to operate at all this time of year. Be very careful about who you send out, in which situation, on which day of the week. That's That's the... That simplest way I can boil it down. I do want to mention them one more time. David Peterson, Matt Manning, Jose Quintana, and Johnny Cueto. They're all fairly available. I believe Johnny Cueto is the most rostered amongst them. Uh, Peterson, I believe, is in the 30s right now still. He's like he's jumped around a little bit this season. But right now, David Peterson, 32% rostered. Matt Manning, 21% rostered. Cueto, I think yeah, he's the highest at 61. And Jose Quintana, he is at, I believe, 39. Yeah, 39 for Quintana. So these guys are all pretty available. Peterson, out of all four of them, would be my preferred target against the Marlins tomorrow. I would be adding him up while you can. People are going to be streaming him. People are going to be adding him in, not even just as a stream, because of Max Scherzer being out and what I said earlier about their whole rotation. Carlos Carrasco has been injured. Maybe they want to miss him a few times. There will be opportunities for David Peterson down the stretch, so please do go ahead and add him while you still can. Before I let you guys go, I do want to give you a couple of good pitching matchups to keep an eye on tonight. There are two of them, believe it or not, even though there's only seven games that I think are probably worth at least monitoring. The first one is going to be Sandy Alcantara and Kyle Gibson. It's going to be the Marlins and the Phillies. Sandy Alcantara has had a little bit of a rough go of it recently. Two of his last three starts, he's allowed six earned runs. Three of his last five, it's been at least four earned runs. He has not been sharp, and he has done more harm than good as of late to his Cy Young case. So he really needs to have a couple of strong starts here down the stretch to secure that for him. Because if we're being honest with ourselves, he deserves it over Tony Gonsolin. He has been the better pitcher, but if he continues to shit the bed, 
Gonsolin injured right now. Maybe he comes back, has a couple good starts. Uh, the story is not yet completely written here in the National League. So these starts for the last, I mean, the last few starts for all of these guys who are competing for awards are going to be really, really interesting to watch. So Sandy Alcantara, definitely a must-watch there. On the other side, Kyle Gibson, obviously not going to be a must-watch guy. Hoping that he can rebound a little bit tonight after seven earned runs his last time out. I think he's probably one of the better widely available streamers. I say widely, he's about 49-50% rostered, so pretty much a coin flip if you're going to be able to get him, but he should be able to rebound here uh, against the Marlins and Sandy Alcantara. Should be an interesting one. The second one that I'm going to be keeping an eye on Sonny Gray and Nestor Cortez. Nestor will come back off the IL, or he is supposed to as of right now, to start this one off against the Twins. It's kind of risky for me. I know it was a groin injury, not something that, you know, it does affect you pitching, the way you stretch out when you're when you're tossing. It's not like it was an arm, a shoulder, an elbow, something like that. I'm not so, so worried about him getting worked back up. I think that maybe we see him go slightly shorter outing than we've seen this year. He's typically been a five, six, seven inning guy. Maybe we see four or five, and the Yankees don't want to push it, but Yankees have not been doing so great recently. I know they've won, I think, three or four in a row, but we're looking at a pretty rough stretch there for the Yankees, so maybe they just say we can't afford to have bullpen games. We need to just let Nestor go out there. It's possible. I'm not sure what exactly to expect there, but very interesting uh, narrative of Nestor coming off of the IL here. Sonny Gray, on the other side, has been pretty solid this whole season. He's got a 3-1 ERA, 101 Ks, and 104 innings. And a 1.13 whip. Pretty solid stuff out of Sonny Gray. Not going to blow you away as a matchup. It's more on the regular side than anything that's like crazy great. But I think between the two of them, they're pretty solid uh, pitchers. And it should be decent anyway. At least decent. We're not talking fantastic must watch. But I think something that's probably worth keeping an eye on. A couple of other little things probably worth keeping an eye on today. At 4.10 p.m. we got Corbin Burns going up against San Francisco. Now, he'll be pitching against Scott Alexander, so not exactly a pitching matchup I'm going to highlight for you guys. And then in the late slate, 9.40 p.m., we do have Dylan Cease going up against Oakland, so he can put another nail in the Cy Young coffin tonight with another good outing. I don't think that that one's really wrapped up yet. It's possible that he does get it, but this is a really great matchup for him to just further secure any loose votes or any undecided voters at this point of the season. Guys, that will do it for me. Thank you so much for putting up with my voice. I'm going to go get some more tea and some more lozenges right now, try and get this voice all settled down. For later tonight when I'll be talking with Rob DiPietro, that will be a part of tomorrow's show. Once again, we'll be going through the NFBC draft and hold that he did the first seven rounds, talking about some surprises, what made sense, what didn't, what do you think will change, and all that good stuff, kind of assessing the draft from a bunch of different angles. And also talking about where some of these great talents from this season, mostly we're talking rookies specifically, uh, like Michael Harris, Adley Rutschman, O'Neill Cruz, even Julio Bobby Witt. Where are these guys going to go in drafts next season? Are they first? Are they second? Are they fifths? We are going to find out. Well, you guys will find out tomorrow. I'll find out later tonight what Rob thinks. But be sure to follow over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. You never miss any of my shows, articles, anything like that. It all goes out in one place over on Twitter. So please do go follow. Please do also rate and review the show, whether it be on Spotify or Google or Apple or Stitcher or wherever it is that you listen to the show. Really appreciate you guys hitting the thumbs, subscribing, and doing all of that great stuff. We will see you again tomorrow, but best of luck in your matchups. All the best of luck in the world, guys. Cheers. Cheers.